You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Colts camp is underway after today with the players reporting. This used to be a huge I feel like huge I was at a deal. kid's Christmas show listening to that oh, re-entry. One, right. of the great, one of the great 90s Nickelodeon shows, Salute Your Shorts, about summer camp. That's why we're coming back with this, you guys, right? Training camp for Colts. There you, there go. you go. Mark, always on it. Um, the, you know, it used to be such a big deal, like the arrivals, and because when you were doing it off-site, Terre Haute, Anderson, etc., Obviously, we've talked about the Reggie Wayne, the Edrin James arrivals. and Well, we got you know, one a couple years ago, right? Pato Ward, Kenny Moore did a right. little one. Did a little IndyCar action. Yeah. I, I think because of the fact that you're so much closer like to – and there's just it, – it's more abbreviated, I guess, now, understandably so, by NFL standards. And the Colts one of the few – that still do it the way they do, where you can come out tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the morning and watch Colts practice. A lot, chance for a lot of people to see the team for the first time, obviously. But for a lot of people, the only time that they'll get a chance to see them in person, which is very cool. Question I have for you is this, Kevin. We've talked a lot about, like, in the old days of camp, staying in the dorms, etc. For when you have it like this, where, you know, for the most part, the vast majority of the guys that are going to be at camp are they live in the area. I mean, assuming that they're a veteran who've been yeah. with the team before. Chris Bauer lives a mile away from here. Yeah, I mean, so so where do a lot of the players stay during camp, or is it still mandated that they all have to stay in the same concentrated area? Yeah, I don't think it is still mandated. Now, obviously, you have Shane Steichen, the new head coach, so I, I don't know exactly you know what rules that he has put in place yet for that. I mean, there is a local hotel very close by that – um, you know, players have stayed at. I would assume a lot of the young guys stay there. But, you know, to your point, you know, Colts players that have permanent homes in the Indianapolis area or have homes, period, I guess, in the Indianapolis area, I would say a large percentage of them call Zionsville, Westfield, Carmel home. So, I, you know, part of me is like with all these morning practices, once you get done with your nightly meetings, uh, why not just say, yep, all right, guys, I'll see you tomorrow morning. I'm not going to be late or anything like that. Again, I don't know if uh, things are different for Shane Steichen in that realm, but you, to your point, it is a much different feel than when you're in the dorms at Anderson, you're in the dorms at Rose-Holman, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the first practice for the Colts will be tomorrow at 10 a.m. Right now, still tickets available for that. Friday and Saturday's practices, it's a morning practice Friday, a night practice Saturday. Both of those sold out. The Colts will get back to practice then on Monday. I get this question a lot from fans. Uh, you know, is there a best day to come to Colts camp? You know, should I bring my kids? I, I could not encourage more bringing your kids. I mean, Jake, you just walked out to the practice field. You are closer here than you will be at a high school football game. Right. No, you're right. There's no track around the field here. There's two fields. You just listen to Matt Taylor at the start of practice. He'll get on the mic and kind of announce which practice field the Colts are on each day. Um, they rotate days to try and save the fields as best they can. Um, but it is a terrific viewing experience you've got the colt city set up here so you know you can run the 40 yard dash you can you know take pictures with cheerleaders alumni blue etc etc um you know i would say weekdays are probably a little bit better before the kids go back to school i mean hell they go back earlier and earlier every year at this point um but yeah i think it's an outstanding viewing experience and again it's free now can and you're we, not going to get that can, can we just make one as fans can we make one pact with one another 
um, collectively. I, I, I guess I do understand it. And, and part of why, part of coming out here, I mean, I get it. it it's fun. It's cool. Whatever else. Um, when Anthony Richardson drops back and throws a 60-yard out to a diving, I don't even know if I'd go with Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, let's say. Um, I understand it's cool to like applaud the fact that what you just saw, but can we not? Can we as Alex, Alex, Alex Pierce? Poor, poor Alex Pierce. Can we as media? I guess I should say fans. I get it. As media, can we immediately stop the temptation to then determine automatically that both are going into the Hall of Fame because they just won the Super Bowl? Uh, I will raise my hand and abide by the Jake Query rules there. <laughs> will we how many how many he is him tweets will we see if like mm. some slow motion like touchdown passes or something like he is him at the Well, you know the interesting thing about the media access here at camp it's great access you know you can just watch you know from the sidelines right here again you're very close to fields but from a camera standpoint the media's got to shut things down i really think after like the individual period well the fans don't so oftentimes what you get is you just get fans up there in the stands and they just film the whole practice yes. and they're just you know airing 11 on 11 you know reps and and those are the highlights that really go viral whereas from a media standpoint it, it's it's a f- far less cry on that end. Uh, Jake, Chris Ballard at noon today meeting the media. I think the list of questions for Ballard is as long as I can remember. What's the first one? Entering a training camp. I think the first one has got to be Shaquille Leonard, um, just given the nature of the player, given the nature of the injury. But I honestly think questions two, three, four, five, six, etc. I think you go like two through eight, and I think all of them are relevant topics. And I'll just throw out a couple. Obviously, Taylor and Pittman, their contract situations, both of their health. I mean, they both missed the entire spring. Taylor missed it with an ankle injury. Pittman missed it with a hip injury. Um, I mean, offensive line. You know, Ballard's message this offseason, and again, these are actions, not words. We'll hear from them later today. The actions say this. Guys, our offensive line issues last year were not personnel-based. They were not. The actions, according to Ballard, this offseason has been, we're not going to touch that starting group. We're going to roll with the same five that ended last year, and we'll make a coaching change. We'll bring in a young position coach in Tony Sperano Jr., who's never led a position group in the NFL. He's going to be the new guy in that room. Obviously, a change at quarterback, so we'll see how that impacts things, you would hope and think positively from an O-line standpoint. Uh, I think that's a question. Uh, it's the first time that Ballard has met the media since the Isaiah Rogers thing played out. Yeah, and, I mean, that's, and, and Kevin, that it turns out, as we thought was going to be the case, uh, you know, turns out that was not an isolated incident, right? I mean, we have other NFL players. I mean, last night, yet another one comes out, right, of year-long suspension in, in terms of gambling or the allegations or the implications of gambling within NFL games. So while that is not an issue for the Colts any further because of Isaiah Rogers, you have to anticipate that it's always, and I mean that as no knock on the character of this franchise, this roster, it's just the the reality of in general. I, I mean, you go out on the interstate, you are bound to find somebody that's driving 90, right? I mean, that's just the way it goes. It's the, the, the law of averages. So that has to be something that's constantly on the mind, I would think, of the general manager. You know, obviously you have the generic annual training camp question of, okay, what are the position battles you are watching, um, considering he's the one that's going to trim down this roster. And then I, I would think one of the other big ones, and we've seen it here in the last 24, 36 hours around the league, 
are you going to try and look at any veteran signings? Do you look at Andrew Norwell, who just got cut by the Commanders, as a guy that started in this league and has played at a high level before? Is he a guard that you look at to bolster things? I know a lot of people brought up the name of Marcus Peters in recent days. You know, the veteran cornerback that Ballard was a huge part in doing the background on Peters and drafting him with Kansas City back nearly a decade ago. Peters ended up signing with the Raiders, but the question becomes, okay, that veteran cornerback with the Rodgers situation and just the fact that you have so much youth in that room, is that a position that you want to explore? So, um, again, I think there is just a ton of questions for Ballard today, and and really this is it. After he speaks today for the media, it'll be Shane Steichen as the main spokesperson for the Colts for um, really the next six months. Do you think there's a danger? By the way, do you ever look out on the practice field here and it's very dewy, right? Yeah, extremely. Mm-hmm. If you if you close your eyes for just a second and open them, it, it looks like it could actually be winter out here, right? Doesn't that look like it could be frost? Like a little snow has fallen on the yeah. Here? You know, I've worked at a lot of or I've worked a lot of early mornings at golf courses, so I was always you know, are we going to be on a frost delay today? That would be great. <laughs> I can nap in the back of a yeah. cart barn if we're going to be on a frost delay here to start this morning. No, but that's certainly not going to be right. That that, that um, do looks great, and you know, you can see our footprints, Jake. Oh, yeah. That you know, you and I walked yeah, out there to grab a picture. Well, Were you I, pleased with your Ansel Adams photo you got? Yeah, I, I, you know what? I took another one that was even better, actually. The the sun coming up through the goalposts, is, it, it's beautiful. Send that to IMA. The symbolism of it is fantastic. Um, do you think there's a danger of a franchise? Like, look, look at that photo there. You, nobody can see this, I realize. That, the sun right between What the are you waiting for? you got to put that on threads or Twitter or X. The uh, Oh, yeah, I forgot about X. Mine still says Twitter with the bird, by the way. I don't know if my app is just slow. So... Is there a danger for a franchise? You look at DeAndre Hopkins signing now with Tennessee, okay? Is there a danger in altering your roster or maybe one or two positions to counter or defend against the way a divisional rival looks like they're going to play? Yeah, I, I, I get the question. I don't think you'd be doing that necessarily because, boom, the Titans have done that with DeAndre Hopkins. I think you would be doing that because it's a really important position and you face Jamar Chase and you face Devontae Adams and you know you have some high-level wideouts on your schedule this season. Uh, Cooper Cup and the Rams. I mean, it, that would be the reason there. And again, just to get more of a veteran voice in that room, I know you've got Kenny Moore in there, but you know Moore has is, is, is got a ton of pressure on him for how poorly he played last season, and now he is in a contract year. Uh, that would be one side of it. Again, as I've said for the past few months, I'm good with him not pursuing the veteran route at corner because the positions that don't impact Anthony Richardson directly, I say go ahead and and play the youth there. Um, and, and, you know, we continue to list questions. I mean, you know, maybe it's more of a Steichen question, but in Ballard of the three, Steichen, Ursay, and Ballard, Ballard has certainly tempered things the most out of those three. But, you know, I think you ask him as well, what do you want to see from Anthony Richardson? What do the Colts need to see from Richardson in the next two weeks to where we get to week two of the preseason and it's Anthony Richardson with the starters? That, I think, is a relevant question that you'd also throw on that list for Chris Ballard today. I'll tell you another interesting question, Kevin, for Chris Ballard or Shane Steichen. If you were to put truth serum in them, what is the hardest position to actually assess based on camp work? 
Well, I'd say until you put the full pads on, it'd be guys in the trenches. Uh, that's what I would think. It's got to be the line, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you know? Which the Colts just got dominated by the Detroit Lions last year during those joint practices. That was the first big red flag of like, whoa. I mean, that was that was ugly. Now, I know Detroit had a good season, but that certainly told the story of and what And the other question I've always wondered about on the offensive line. With your offensive line, would you rather have two tens and, you know, three eights that have not played a lot together? Or is this a euchre hand you're describing yeah. here? Or five sevens who have played together for three years? I, I, I just think that... I think a lot of people would say the cohesiveness is totally, more important. I, I think it's critical, right? And there have been... You know, Rick DeMulling was with us, Kevin, when you were gone, and, you know, and he basically said, like, look, the, the chemistry of it, the camaraderie of it is just critically important. I, I, don't, I just don't think that we can overstate the importance of just that cohesiveness, right, that familiarity. It is such a critical piece of it. And at times they, they looked like they had that as an offensive line, but they just couldn't get any – stable play from one game to the next last year. And I don't know what that was, I, quite frankly. I, I, you know, that's that's why I talk about it on the radio and I'm not sitting there getting paid in the war room. But it's a good question to ask Ryan Kelly when he joins yeah. us a little bit later. Ryan Kelly, DeForest Buckner are going to join us coming up uh, in the 9 o'clock hour as uh, players start to trickle in to Grand Park for report day. What is their schedule today? What is the play? Like, they have to be here by what time? And I, think it, I think it is 9 or you know, somewhat early morning. Yeah, they check in. Uh, I'm trying to, like, point to the buildings like 500 yards towards the sun uh they report in there they've got some meetings today and i think it's just more of a logistical day of like okay this is where you're going for guys that haven't been here before uh, but again first practice tomorrow at 10 a.m uh, did you see that report yesterday um jeff saturday and espn about a potential return a potential return for him is up in the air both sides are interested in working something out. Recent layoffs and ESPN's hypersensitivity in the budget could keep it from happening. I would not. I would anticipate that he will at some point return. I to ESPN. To ESPN, yeah. I would think. Isn't so. that a no-brainer for ESPN? I mean, especially at this point. Like, I mean, okay, Jeff Saturday can talk about Peyton Manning. Jeff Saturday can talk about playing with Aaron Rodgers. I wonder if that's a storyline entering this season. Uh, Jeff Saturday was, I would say, arguably the most important player during labor talks back during the 2011 lockout. Uh, that's a very relevant person to have. And also he can talk about being an interim head coach in the league. No doubt. Uh, he can talk about, you know, m- matching up against different the different coaches, the different looks, the different Yeah, he also was a good, great player for, I mean, for for a decade. I didn't yeah. even throw that in there. So I mean the the, the storyline of everything that went down last year uh, you know, hopefully it's here where he first breaks that silence. But wherever it might be, it's going to, to get ears for certain. Right? Speaking of Colts centers, Ryan Kelly again going to join us a little bit later in the show, as will DeForest Buckner. It is report day from Grand Park. It is a beautiful Tuesday morning here. Again, first practice tomorrow for the Colts, Friday and Saturday as well, as they begin their 13 practice schedule here up in Westfield. I'm Kevin Bowen. He is Jake Corey. Mark Dykton back in studio. Continue the conversation on the other side. Kevin Corey, 8 o'clock hour coming up. Looks like we're going to have to force Buckner join us here in just a few seconds, but I would guess that. Granted, we've got a couple trench guys, so maybe that's a good question to throw towards them. 
Yeah, well, should that be my first question to DeForest Buckley? I, I think that's a fine lead into him. Which which do you least look forward to? Welcome to camp, right? What's this, year eight for him? Yeah, I mean, there's got to be an element of like, damn. <laughs> I mean, isn't there? I mean, wouldn't you say that he is the... And we're talking about a dude that's in insane shape. Like 6'7", 290, looks the, like a power forward in the, the NBA. He's the veteran captain leader of the team, wouldn't you say at this point? Certainly, the def- yeah, yeah. I, 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 well, I mean, I, maybe Ryan Kelly on offense, but yeah, certainly on the defensive I mean, side of the ball. I mean, six and one up dozen the other to a great extent, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I personally would think that, you know, the, the film sessions in general, I would think would get really old really yeah. quick, you know. Uh, but he joins us now so we can ask exactly that question to Forrest Buckner here as we are getting set for Colts training camp, and that means that he is the first player to join us. And, and we were just discussing this, DeForest, and I'm curious your standpoint on it. From a player's standpoint, if you had to say, which becomes more laborious or, or just kind of like, uh, like eye roll when you look at camp? Working out in the practice, in the heat, or the meetings and the film sessions? The meetings and film sessions, for sure. You know what I mean? Those are the the things that drag out the day so long. You know what I mean? Obviously, it's it's needed, you know, watching the film and, you know, going over, you know, just all of the X's and O's standpoint and uh, obviously getting better yourself, watching yourself, you know, learning the little things that you need to get better. But those are the... The, the long those will make the day so long and drag them all out I, is it hard to stay awake sometimes it is yeah because <laughs> you're practicing then you go in there and you're like oh my gosh yeah, you're right exhausted especially being out in the heat so you know yeah, you, you got to find ways to stay up and you know I'm, I'm a big sunflower seed guy so you know I, I just just I go through bags of sunflower seeds throughout training camp of course I know you're not maybe a huge huge social media guy but we you know made the announcement you're going to join us on the show tomorrow and so you had fans kind of react to the tweet yeah what do you think was the most popular question fans wanted us to ask you in joining us here on this Tuesday morning and I would say maybe a slight hint would be think off the field off the field uh let's see Something about with the Beer Olympics. Look at all over it. A month ago, the Beer Olympics champion, I would venture to guess a large part of our listening audience has taken part in a Beer Olympics. Uh For those that don't know, how did this develop with your former teammate, George Kittle? And is there a trophy? Is there a mantle? How proud was your wife? Yeah, she's very proud. (laughs) (laughs) No, but uh, no, so, um, you know, George hit me up about a, a month beforehand. And maybe a month and a half beforehand, like while we were in OTAs, and he was just like, "Hey, bro, you want to be my partner in this beer Olympics that uh, you know Taylor Lewan and Will Compton's putting together?" And uh, I was just like, "Yeah, just let me know where, when, and I'll be there." And it really, because you know, every year George and his wife and you know, their family they they throw a big thing called Kittle Fest every year, you know, out in Nashville where they live, and um, so he was just like, you know. You know, we were out there last year, and, you know, George and I were beer pong partners, and we, we I think we won, like, 18, 19 games straight. Oh, boy. Oh, we were on the table all day. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, we kind of sparked from there, and, you know, you know, obviously the Beer Olympics got all these different events, and, you know, we drank a lot of beer that day, so yeah, like, I know I know Buck can hold his own, so. Beer pong your specialty? Are you a flip cup? Are you, what, what would you I'd say? i say flip cup okay. and beer pong, you know. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. impressive. Big guy with big hands. Yeah, I would yeah. think the beer pong would be. Nice. Little, yeah, I mean, you got some touch. Well, what kind of touch. beer was it? Uh, that's a great question. I'm not sure because they were just filling up the pitchers. Yeah. So, Do you have, what's your favorite kind of beer? Uh, you know, I'm a big. Lately, I've been liking. I always go to like 
stay light. So, you know, Michelob Ultra, you know, sure. in the off season when I'm training. Smart in the beer Olympics. You know what I mean? But uh, I like a good Modelo. Um, yeah, Modelo's good. Yeah, yeah. I love... Uh, I love uh, all the. I like trying different IPAs. So yeah, I'm. I'm right now. One of my favorite IPAs is that Zombie Dust out here. Oh yeah, yeah. I love yeah, Zombie yeah, Dust. Osiris is good. So yeah, you Osiris literally is good too. Yeah, I like yeah. Osiris. So all pro, Pro Bowl, Beer Olympics. They're all kind of on the same shelf together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is definitely. that right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nah, yeah. So so uh, George is holding the uh, the trophy at his house. Got it for us. Yeah. In, in reality, in the off season, when do you start? Take me through kind of the. Both mentally and physically, mm-hmm. when you when you can play a little bit, and then when you say like, okay, you know, the way things are now with OTAs, you know, there's really no long consecutive periods. So, mm-hmm. when do you have to kind of start basically where you pump the brakes? Like, okay, I've got to start getting back into the mindset physically and mentally for camp itself yeah usually um especially like after you're talking about after otas yeah just in general like once the season ends to when the season begins again i mean Um, what's the schedule yeah usually i'm like as soon as the season's done i probably take about three weeks just to let my body heal you know rest up and then i start hitting like some light conditioning um what is that about early march um, some light conditioning, uh, light weightlifting, and stuff like that, and then you know I start ramping it up, you know as we're going getting closer to OTAs, and then obviously after OTAs when we get done and we break, usually I mean we got a, we lost a week because you know obviously new coaching staff, uh, so you you know you get a you have to stay an extra week or so, and so you know this year I kind of just rolled right stayed right into it. And, um, you know, went out to Clemson with uh, the group that I normally train with. This year we were out in Clemson. We trained. I trained there for about a week and a half. And then after that, we I took the, took my little time off, about nine days with the family. Uh, we went to uh, Italy, you know, for a wedding. Um, good family, friends. And then right after that, flew back to California with the fam. And then I went directly back to South Carolina and started training again um, just to work off the vacation. Which part of Italy? Uh, we went to... Um, so the wedding was in Rome, and then uh, but we started off in Sorrento, and uh, visited like Positano, Capri, and yeah. I hear it's amazing. It's amazing, yeah. The Mafia yeah. Coast is amazing. Uh, DeForest Buckner with us, year eight for him. Um, I asked you this question in the spring, but for this audience, I, I feel like I, I thought you gave a really good answer, so I'll kind of ask it to you again. Um, you see what happens with Stephon Gilmore in the off season. Yeah. You see the drafting of a quarterback with mm-hmm. thirteen college starts. Yeah. It's hard not to see on paper, like, oh my gosh, this is a rebuild, or you know, power ranked here, this and that. Was there any part of you that saw what happened with, with, with Gilmore and thinking, man, I'm I'm 29, yeah. I've been in a Super Bowl, I know what that feels like. Yeah. I want to go in there and say, what are we doing here? Right? Yeah. Can, can, can you move me? Was there any thought of you to say that? Because we do see that around the league, mm-hmm. where guys that are older and still really accomplished players, they do want to be at yeah. a at a on a team that might say a little bit more win now on paper. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, um, yeah, like I said, with with uh, with Steph, you know, going into year eleven for him, uh, you know, he he had his own decision to make, and you know, especially with his family and everything, and uh, just the way he felt, you know, which totally understandable, you know, with the vet that he is, the high caliber player that he is, you know, he wants to go win now, and um, you know, I'm the same way, but uh, you know, I had a, like I said before, I had a great conversation with with Chris, and you know, he it was basically you know just trust me, and you know, I trust him, you know what I mean, I've trusted him up to this point. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like we, we do have key players that are ready to win now. And, you know, if we can get the get the young guy, you know, 
uh, you know, get him, get him under our wing and, and really, you know, help him, you know, along the way, I think he can really help our team, you know, take our team to the next level. DeForest Buckner is our guest. We're at Colts training camp here in Grand Park. So the reality is this. There is no denying the kind of player that Shaquille Leonard is. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is a difference maker when he's on the field. Mm -hmm. We don't know when he's going to be on the field. Is there a danger in going about this camp, DeForest, defensively speaking, under the assumption that you're going to have him all year? Or do you go under the assumption that you're not going to have him and then he's gravy if, in fact, he gets healthy and is able to go? How how do you guys approach it? Yeah, I mean, right now, I I mean – you can't tell him anything. You know what I mean? You can't really tell him anything, especially, um, I mean, we, we, we just reporting his report day, you know. So you can't think too far ahead. So for me, I know I'm thinking just one day at a time. You know, we see how where, where all the chips fall at the end of training camp, where our team's at, where the defense is at, offense is at. But, I mean, all you can do right now is take it one day at a time. You know what I mean? And um, uh, I know Shaq's working his tail off to get back on the field with us. And you know what I mean? And, uh, you know. And, and you feel for him because it's no fault of his own. No, I mean, you know what I mean? Not. It's it's yeah. it's different if it's a contract thing or something like that. Yeah, but, I yeah, mean, yeah. But it's the body. Yeah, right. And, you know, he's he, he's been pushing himself to get on that field, you know. Uh, and last year, you know, he, he might have got too anxious to get on the field and, you know, um, obviously had a little setback. So, um, you know, he knows – how his body feels and where he's at and I, I'm just you know I've seen him today you know he you know he's his 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 same self you know what I mean full of energy so it's gonna be exciting to see what he's gonna be able to do coming into this training camp. are you guys schematically different in terms of your preparation with or without him in other words do you come up with different looks and different things if you're going with, say, EJ and, and Zaire Franklin, who've done a nice job mm-hmm. filling in, versus if he's in there, does it change the way that you line things up or do things? I don't think so, no. No, not at all. And um, the the one thing about about Shaq is, I mean, like you said, he's a difference maker. You know what I mean? He's a he's a ball hawk, and I mean, he's been like that his whole career. I mean, just the it, we always talk about it all the time. There's there's some guys that just got it, you know, and he's got it. You know, he there's some way somehow he's a ball magnet. You know what I mean? He just, I mean, the first first game back. I mean, one of his first games back last year against the Commanders. Um, Tyquan and I are standing on the sideline, and we have we went through a little stretch where we didn't have a turnover. You know what I mean? Last season, and Shaq's Shaq's playing in the game, and I look at him, I'm like, Shaq's about to get the first turnover. Yeah. You know that you know <laughs> of the game, and you know first one that we had in a while. And he, Ty Lue just looked at me, he was like, for sure. And just just like that, I mean, one drive later, he gets a pick, and we're like, this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? Yeah, he, he's just a magnet. Yeah, he's a, he's a magnet. You can at least count, count him for one at least one, um, every game. So, DeForest Buckner is with us again. Year eight for him. I, if, unless I'm totally missing something, I think the only top ten picks on this roster are you and Anthony Richardson, hmm. um, unless I'm totally forgetting somebody. Obviously, Q. Q, good guy. Thank you for that. Qu- yeah, yeah. Quentin w- would be three. Obviously, like physical stature. I mean, yeah, you, yeah. Quentin, An- Anthony. I mean, you guys are all you know outliers and kind of unicorns at your individual positions. Um, what were your spring impressions of Anthony Richardson? I mean, I mean, the kid's special. I mean, you can see why they drafted him. You know, fourth overall. Just. Uh, well, his, his physical stature. I mean, the guys uh, when he first came in on his his little visit 
in the offseason, I mean, I thought he was a DN. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Just the way he looks. But, uh, yeah, I mean, just seeing his, his pocket presence, you know, that's one of the biggest things I noticed, you know, when he's, you know, under pressure, you know, just being able to still look downfield and feel out the pocket, you know, extend plays. You know, he made some big-time throws throughout practice, some nice touch throws too. So um, just seeing the potential that he has um, to be a great player, you know, obviously, you know, it's a lot of it is on him with putting in the extra work, you know what I mean, staying staying late, coming in early, uh, making sure you get those mental reps and, you know, watching a lot of film. But uh, if he gets all that done, I mean, he's going to be able to, he's going to be a special player. How much can you, DeForest Buckner, assist him? And do you do this kind of thing where you may say if you're going through some drills or reps and you see somewhere where he telegraphed or you see where as you are moving in, you can tell the pocket's about to collapse on him and you think to yourself, a veteran would have done this as opposed to what he just did. Mm -hmm. Do you go to him and say, hey, listen, from a defensive standpoint, you showed me what you're about to do and Mm -hmm. let me show you how. Do you have those conversations? No, yeah. Um, You know, obviously throughout training camp, I'm definitely going to have those conversations. You know, just little tendencies that he he might have that we notice or pick up, you know, watching film or even on the field. I'll definitely approach him and, and let him know, like, hey, from a defensive standpoint, like, yeah, you're doing this and it gives this away or whatever. Whenever you do, you know, when you're about to, whenever you're about to run this play, you know, you tend to do this or little things like that or even like the, the way, you know, certain quarterbacks escape the pocket, you know what I mean? As a defensive player, as a D lineman, you know, those are one of the biggest things we look at is, you know, when a quarterback's under pressure, what's his go-to? Does he like to spin out the pocket? You know what I mean? Does he, he does he favor his, you know, his throwing side, obviously the to run out or little things like that. We always, or is he a step-up guy, you know, step up in the pocket and, um, you know, so, you know, all we got to do is push the O-lineman back and then fall back inside and it's an easy sack. You know what I mean? Little things like that, I'll definitely have those conversations with them. Do different quarterbacks telegraph in different ways? Do some guys, is it via their feet? And does it take you – how long as a defender does it take you – how many times do you have to see a quarterback before you know, okay, now I know his body? Yeah, no, really just – I mean, really just watching film and over the time, how long the guys have been in the league, um, you can really see like how they like to escape the pocket. You know what I mean? And – those are the things like in the game like you go into it, okay he likes to do this you know what I mean he likes to spin out and go this way you know when he's under pressure or so who's the one that keeps you awake at night where you're like I just can't get a read on this guy yeah Lamar Jackson yeah <laughs> yeah that's probably pretty obvious yeah answer, Lamar right? Jackson uh yeah, he's one of those guys that are just sneaky shifty does Anthony Richardson have Lamar Jackson tendencies potential I should say potential yeah, yeah I, I think so you know um I feel like uh with his size and his speed is he's a, he's a good mixture of um, you know, with Cam Newton and, and Lamar. You know what I mean? I'm just talking – I'm not talking skill set, like like throwing ability. I'm just talking about his physical stature and runability right. as a mixture of Cam Newton and, and Lamar. Yeah, you, I mean, you brought up pocket presence earlier. I remember when, you know, you guys drafted him. That was the first thing Chris Bauer said coming in the media room of, like, mm-hmm. poise. Like, yeah. you know, he's not deer in headlights when all of yeah. a sudden the pass rush gets mm-hmm. in his face, the eyes don't drop. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, you see that a big thing with, you know, even some pro guys. And, but, uh, you know, you see a lot of those with the, the young quarterbacks, you know, coming into the league. You know, they – you know, they feel that pressure, you know, their eyes come down and they start looking around the pocket and how to escape and little things. But I noticed, like, he kind of, he tries to keep his eyes downfield, which is which is awesome for a young guy. Okay, last one, and this is relevant to my co-host here, Jake, who is in turn three on the radio call of the Indianapolis 500. Mm-hmm. If I'm not mistaken, your last tweet was about the last lap 
of this year's Indianapolis 500, calling it electric. Mm-hmm. Were you tuned into the 500, all, all would, 200 laps? Or, no, not all 200 laps. Okay. I, I was busy that day, but uh, I, I, I got to catch the tail end of it. It was wild. It was, ama- it was amazing. You know yeah, what's amazing awesome. is the radio call of that. That's what no, you just, <laughs> Stroke his ego a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it was. I, I, I was going to ask this before we let you go. I mentioned this off the top. You were born in Hawaii, right? Yep. You went to high school in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. How old were you the first time you left the island? First time I left the island, um, I was young. Um, I went to a family reunion out in Tennessee for my dad. Okay. Yeah, because my dad's from Knoxville. Because so it was is it, I think I was in second grade. Because are there a lot of your classmates, for example, that other than going maybe to like Disneyland in L.A.? I mean, I would just think in Hawaii. Oh, no, you, a lot of people never left, never right. left the island. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Like, I have a friend that moved out there, and he said after like two years, I mean, it's paradise it's beautiful yeah. i've been there but after like two years he kind of got like an island fever because it's like oh my gosh yeah like where do you go like no, right, where do you sure. vacation right yeah, i mean no, where, sure. where the hell does somebody from hawaii spring break <laughs> right and you then, know uh, and it's crazy because uh yeah i've i've known some people that uh a lot of people that just never never been on a plane you know what i mean just stayed on the island and um you know to each his own but for me i just you know from when i was when i was young i always wanted to get off the island and and explore more so Dreamed of living in Indianapolis, Indiana. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Beautiful Westfield, Indiana right. here. Right. Year eight for DeForest Buckner. DeForest, stay healthy. Thank Appreciate you, y'all. and a good luck this season. Thank you for having me. Ryan Kelly's joining us now here, live at Colts Camp. Report day. Uh, camp number nine? Close, eight. Eight for you? Yep. When you see 97 degrees on Friday, your thought is what? I did see that. It's just going to be tough, but that's training camp, you know. I was telling them on the way in, like from the time you're, you know, in the third grade to now, August is hot no matter where you go. So that's a great point. I'm thankful not to be at Anderson. I feel like there was not a hotter place in the country. (laughs) Does Does it have a back to school, you know? Ryan, those of us who never played professional sports cannot relate to the thought of training camp. The only thing that we have to compare it to is that feeling when you're a kid, the last couple of weeks of summer of like looking at the calendar, like, ah. Is it have a you're, you're smirking almost like you know oh, yeah. where I'm going with that? Does it have the same type feeling? Yeah, a little bit. I think uh, I always like we always joke like once July Fourth hits, it's just all downhill from there. You know, like because you you think you've got like a great off season, a great summer, and then July Fourth hits, and you're like, in two weeks I'm gonna be in training camp. You know, but then you get here and it's like it's kind of the excitement of that first day of school. You know, where like you're seeing the guys again for the first time in a month and a half. Um, it's the it's the excitement for a new season, a new uh, coaching staff, everything. You know, and, and the eight years that I've been doing it in the, in the pros, it's like every year is so different. So uh, there is like that welcome back first kind of first day of school feeling, and it's awesome. I have a really dumb question. Not shocking. <laughs> Do you guys get paid year-round or just in season? Um, so your 18 weeks gets spread out over um, – double that okay. so before it was just once a week and then once the season was over you stopped yeah i was gonna say because so there were there was a time was there not when at least you came here and you're like oh man at least the direct deposit no, you, you do get paid during training camp but uh for like the season goes uh you used to get paid week one to the very end of the season then the, the hose is off now they just doubled it to kind of stretch out in march help some guys out gotcha. I, I obviously want to talk some football questions but i think and you guys have been very public about this you and your wife emma um and, and frankly having to go through hell from a parenting standpoint here in the last couple of years and I look to 97 degrees on Friday and I think about you I also think about your wife um, yeah. fill us in yeah, yeah. do with twins in what when 
Uh, sometime around the beginning of the season. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so, just kind of depends on Twins. You just never know. But Congrats. I, and I think you. I speak for yeah. everybody. I, um, You guys, again, been through absolute hell. And how's she doing? How's she feeling? I can't imagine being pregnant, let alone Twins, yeah. let alone during the summer. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, just watching her go through, like, you know, giving birth when, you know, your body is not supposed to the first time with our daughter, um, to burying her, to trying again, that process taking a long time. Like, at, at a point in the last season, like, I got down to, like, 285 pounds, which I hadn't been that since I was in high school. And I think it was just, like, the stress. And, like, that's the thing about football is, like, the world keeps going, right? And, like, you have to adjust and find a way to, like, push through. And it was it was tough. So I, I say all that because, like, my wife was the strongest person I've ever met. Like, you know, people always think, like, men are super tough. Football players are big tough guys. Like, no, like, watching her go through that process and then now, like, her body being able to do what it does with twins is insane. Um and so, like, I wouldn't be here, I wouldn't still be here if I wasn't, wasn't for her. Um, and she's just an incredible rock star of a wife and a, and a mom. But they'll be here before we know it, and, and life will be life will be a lot different, you know? Sure. Well, so, good luck in you. that process. I, again, everybody obviously rooting for you there. Yeah. You just said, down to 285 last year. Did that impact your play? I think there was a lot of things going on. Uh, I mean, I, I was I was battling through some a lot of mental stuff, too. Like, it yeah. didn't, you know, it wasn't like I just finished the 21 season and, you know, that was it. It was like a lot of carryover from grieving my my daughter to all the bunch of other stuff. And at the end of the day, like, you know, people don't really care. You know, that's what I realized is like, you know, life keeps going on. You're still a football player. And um, I had, we had a really great support system of like players and stuff like that. Um, and after the last season, like I, I took a step back from like everything. And I was like, like, I need to just take a break, you know. And then I came back into it. And when Shane got hired, met him, met Tony. And it was like that rebirth of like, yes, this is still what I want to do. I love this game. Like, I'm not ready to be done. Um, like, just because the last like year and a half was such a blur of like ups and downs and so so much low. And now, after going through like April to June and with the guys and with Tony, like, there was just I've never been like more excited for a season and like felt like we were going to go do something great again. You know what I mean? How close were you to saying year seven was it? I don't know. I mean, probably not that serious. I think I was just in a really dark place um, with just all of the life stuff going on around me. I, I knew I wasn't ready to be done with football. I still loved it. It's just it's it was hard to get going every day, you know, when there's so many external factors playing in your life. And um, but once, like I said, once Shane got like once the season was over and I was able to get away for like a week or two, I was like, no, like, I'm not done playing. I still love this game. I've got a lot to do, a lot to prove to myself and other people. You know, mental health, Ryan. Is such an important and yet enigmatic thing mm. for anybody, right? Yep. Not only how we handle it ourselves, but also how we handle it in other people and seeing it in other people. This organization has has made a pretty public stand about mental health and mental health awareness in the last couple of years. It's the only organization you played for, so I know you can't speak to what it would have been like elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But was that, I guess, some sort of a... a, a a comfort to you, number one, and did it make it easier to kind of blend and be open about what you were going through within your job? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not naive to think that, like, I know people that went through similar situations for us who didn't play in the NFL, and those people were back to work, you know, within a couple of weeks. And, like, I can't imagine that. Like, they, granted, they didn't have to go do physical things on Sunday, but just the day-to-day, your your emotions, your energy is so zapped by what's going on in your brain. And the Colts were fantastic in that. Like, they never rushed me back. They said I could take as much time as I wanted. And I still think that they knew I wouldn't be right. But, like, 
the one thing that we've that my wife and I have realized is it took us a while to get to this point, but like authentic, like being open and helping people out and just speaking about it. Like everybody's going through something, right? Like no one's got a perfect life. No one's going through, you know, a smooth transition to anything. Um, but like being vulnerable to open and talk about it, um, like it's helped us and it's helped some other people. And I think the Colts have done, like I said, they're the only people I know in organizations of the NFL that truly talk about it and care about it. You know, I think it's one thing to, to promote it, do these things, but to actually be about it and for your players who, you know, it's a very cutthroat business and you have to make decisions at the end of this month, but they still care about you no matter where you go or if you're here or not. I think that that's an incredible um, test of who they are and, like, you know, truly caring. Have you had people that have come up to you, you know, at the grocery store, at the movie theater, whatever it might be, have you had people that have come up to you that have said, you know what, like, I never told anybody this, but I could relate. I've been there. Oh, yeah. We, we hosted a, a Mother's Day event last year. Um, at, it's, a lo- it's, it's a long story. I'll make it short. Um, for mothers who had just lost, like, babies, right? Mother's Day is very hard when, you've, when you don't have sure. your kid to, to hold. So my wife did what she always does, amazing things for other people. And we're there, and it's like, I'm looking around, I'm like, is there any husbands or men going to, like, show up to this thing? And they did. And I could tell when they are kind of coming in, they were very apprehensive to, you know, they didn't know. Because, man, we don't talk about these things sometimes, right? It's hard to, hard to you know meet a random guy be like what are you going through you know but in that moment like i, I would talk i would just go up to the guys and just talk to them like you know like tell me your story tell me your son tell me your, your daughter you lost and to see like a physical weight being lifted off their shoulders in that moment um was like it made all the suck that we've been through worth it right because like you know that that guy is helping me i'm helping him in the same way that like that's one connection that guy might go to that to somebody else right and, like these people that are living with this like burden of fire in their heart and their soul they go out there and they do that to somebody else makes the world a better place so i mean i've been very very fortunate to be able to do that it's a credible torch you guys are carrying um so kudos to you guys for that and thank you from a community standpoint for for doing that again ryan kelly is with us here first round pick of the colts back in 2016 he's going to snap to his 733rd different quarterback here coming up uh tomorrow for his first training camp you said the word miscommunication i feel like quite often in the spring when asked about the o-line issues from last season you expand on that what you what you mean by miscommunication as being kind of the the big 2022 issue yeah i think that i mean i could sit here for hours and go into you know how guys were you know if there's a difference in pass sets as far as like the guard to the center the center to the tackle like there was just a lot of external things that you know we never buttoned up as a group and as an offense and um you know i think everybody everybody looks back on it and like yeah like you know, we didn't have the season we wanted to. But then going back into the spring, Tony pulled up a bunch of clips from us throughout last year. And it was like, no, like, you guys are doing really good stuff. Like, you, if you watch these like watch these clips, guys are just mauling people, right? But then it's like, you know, we miss we miss one thing here. Or, like, this this call doesn't get communicated out or doesn't get communicated to the quarterback. Or that There's always a, there was a breakdown of some kind of communication. And that's what causes the bad problems. Um, and so, you know try to leave it in the past right because i think it's a new offense it's a new system there's new guys um and we've done it before we just have to you know get back into it last one for me you're a smart dude you get how the nfl operates you've are you the nfl pa rep still uh, for the team well i'm on the ec now so i'm no longer the rep but okay yes. so you're even higher up uh from an nfl pa standpoint was there ever a point january february you thought man i don't know if i'm going to be here in 2023 like, I, when did you get that reassurance? Did you ever have that thought that you might not be here, given your contract, given your age, those sorts of things? I mean, I think as you get older, you always think about it. Right? But um, 
No, I mean, like when I, when I talked to Shane, and you know, like I think that was one of Shane's first calls, and Tony called me and talked about all the great things we were going to do. It was like, yeah, like this is this is the same call I needed to hear when I was contemplating, you know, whether I still love this game after last year and all the ups and downs, and mostly all the downs, right? And um, it's amazing though, like what a, what a new a new face can come in and do, and and what a resurgence of a team can come in. And I think that's what's great about training camp as you get older is these young guys keep getting younger, and it keeps you young, it keeps you hungry to go out there and do more because you know you still have left, you know. You still have plays in the table to be that to be made out there, and years to be played. And um, I still love the game, you know. And I think that um, I still have a lot to do. And I think Tony and, and um, Shane were a big part of that, you know. That, that 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 saying like, look, you guys are still some of the best players in your position. Like we just have to we have to find a way to go out there and be more consistent than what we were last year. And a lot of that's you know some other stuff around us, whatever. But um, if we can do that as five, then. We'll be all right. Uh, I've got a couple questions that are going to completely illuminate my naivete about a lot of things here, okay? Right. First is this. As a center, do you snap the ball differently to different qu- – does the way that you snap the ball vary from depending on who you're snapping it to? No. Same Not, each way. Okay. So – or like in, it, it, does anything change in terms of the guy that is taking the snap in terms of your approach, anything that you need to know about that player? I mean, as far as um, not as far as snapping the ball, but as far as like communication wise goes, yeah. Like when you go from you know Matt Ryan to Nick Foles to Sam Ellinger, like they're all different. You know what I mean? So they all have their own little quirks. But um, as far as like just getting the ball to them, no, it's all the same. Okay. Then lastly, the guys that are alongside you, mm-hmm. how long does it take to understand their tendencies, learn them? Because that is such a critical part of an offensive line. Yeah, it's huge. I think that. Um, it takes longer than people think. I think in a, in a results-driven business where in today's world, like, no one has patience to get things going uh, or like, give it time to develop, it's tough. But um, at the same time, I think, you know, it takes a little bit to figure out, like, you know, receiver gets hurt, guys can go plug in there, right, and you're running around. Like, offensive line goes, like, you know, you five all have to be on the same page. Right. You know, it's, it takes a lot longer for one person to step in or if you have different rotations. Um it's not just a plug-and-play business in that regard. So I think that it does take time. It takes a long time, and it's also getting to know each other off the field, which is, I think it's the best part about training camp is also just getting to learn guys and having that you know that camaraderie outside of the game. So Get your juice boxes together, watch some movies, have some fun, right? Yeah. My rookie year, we sang, uh, we tried to sing American Pie. We learned every word to American <laughs> Pie, which is like the hardest song to learn, by the way. And then we uh, our, our song of the training camp was uh, Africa by Toto. We played it every, oh, every day classic. before. Classic. I day always thought it was camp. I Missed the Rains. I can't believe it's I Blessed the Rains. I never would have known. I know. I never got it right. But yeah. we, we played it every day before, uh, before practice. And I swear, I like, still <laughs> can hear that like going out, walking to Anderson, hearing that song. So, Ryan, good luck. Uh, good luck to Emma as well. My, my wife and I are fortunate to have two young kids, and we've talked about your story and, and can't even imagine what you've gone through. So rooting for her, and, and if there's anybody out there that deserves a smooth uh, pregnancy and delivery, it's certainly her. So good Thanks. luck with everything on the field and certainly off the field as well. Thanks, guys. That's Ryan Kelly right there, Colts center. Again, the question. Oh, a little Africa. Ryan, they've got a little Africa from our producer, Mark Mark Dykton. Thank he's, you to Ryan Kelly right as there. we speak. <laughs>